you're here with us today. Do you know, the lady on the screen, do you know the name Fanny Crosby? She is very well known, and you probably know of her, but maybe not know her name. She was a prolific songwriter. She wrote over 8,000 hymns, hymns that you well know of, like the song Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Tenderly Calling You Home, Praise Him, Praise Him, Rescue the Perishing, and one that we sang even this morning, one of my favorites, To God Be the Glory. Fanny Crosby was a prolific songwriter, wrote some wonderful hymns. Did you know that Fanny Crosby was blind? Kids, she's not wearing those dark sunglasses because she was just a cool old lady. She was blind. And she was blind from childhood. She became ill at six weeks of age. And it is thought that a physician's mistake caused her to lose her sight when she was just six weeks old. So basically, she never saw anything. She was blind. She was an incredible writer, though, and at the age of eight, she wrote this about her blindness. She wrote this poem at age eight. Oh, what a happy soul I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. She faced that challenge of blindness with an incredible resolve that she was not going to allow it to steal her joy, that she was going to be content in the state that she found herself. She later would say this. She said, It seemed indeed by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life, and I thank Him for the dispensation. If perfect earthly eyesight were offered me tomorrow, I would not accept it. I might not have sung the hymns to pray the praise of God if I had been distracted by the beautiful and interesting things about me. What a wonderful outlook it would be to have that in the face of blindness. That I'm happy that it turned out this way. Because of I could be distracted if I saw all the beautiful things around me that God had created. Instead, I'd rather be blind to make sure that I kept my focus where it needed to be. She said this, which is amazing. When I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. What a wonderful perspective that Fanny Crosby had on Life. Her sentiment reflects incredible contentment. Contentment that if we're honest with ourselves would be very hard for us to have and imitate in our lives if we were in her condition. While we may not suffer from blindness, we all have things in our lives that aren't exactly what they would be if we had chosen them, don't we? I told Nikki earlier this week that I was going to talk about contentment. And she said, well, why haven't we been talking about that in your lessons lately? And we have talked about contentment. We've touched on it. We've talked about our prosperity and how it breeds discontentment. We talked about it last week. We talked about advertising themes and how they try and 
promote discontentment? I want to tell you, contentment goes far beyond just our physical possessions. There are a lot of things in our lives that aren't exactly like we'd have them if we were to choose. Maybe our career didn't turn out exactly like we had planned it. Maybe our job isn't quite as fulfilling as we had dreamed it was when we were kids and thought, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Maybe there are financial difficulties in our lives and the picture isn't as rosy as we thought it would be. Maybe your health isn't exactly like you'd like it to be. Maybe you got those aches and pains that are troubling and challenging. Maybe your family situation and the family dynamics that you find yourself in, they aren't exactly like you'd have them to be if, if it were up to you, if you were writing the story. And could we even say maybe that the church situation that you find yourself in isn't exactly like you'd have it to be if you were plotting out exactly how you want this life to turn out? In all of these situations, I want to tell you, God wants us to be content. And this isn't to say that we wouldn't like things to be better. Indeed, we would. But we need to make sure that we have contentment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, notice what Paul said. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning of verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches, in needs and persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul would have liked for things to have been better for him physically. But he was committed to trusting God and serving Him, and this allowed him to be content with whatever situation he was in. And so it is with us. Are there things in our lives that we would change if we could? It's not wrong to change them if you can. But it is important that we make sure that we're content. Contentment says we accept the situation we find ourselves in as being sufficient. It means we won't let our circumstances hinder us from experiencing the peace and the joy that God wants us to enjoy. And it means being thankful for what we have instead of being unhappy for what we don't have. God wants us to be content. It's not always easy to be content, but it is necessary. And this morning, I want to look at some ways that we can have contentment in our life. Even though everyone here has situations and things in their lives that they would like to change, we have to be content with what God has given us. Contentment is necessary regardless of our situations. We need to understand that. Regardless of our circumstances, we must be content. You know, someone might say, I could be content if I had things exactly the way that I wanted them. If every circumstance in my life was perfect, if I had everything that I could wish for, if every relationship in my life was smooth, if I was in a fulfilling career, and the list could go on and on. If I had everything exactly the way it should be, 
then I could be content. I could be content. I'm not content now, but I could be content if things were different. The Bible teaches us, though, that we need to be content. And that is not contingent on our circumstances. Notice what, the John, what John the Baptist told the soldiers that he encountered in Luke chapter 3. In Luke chapter 3, John said, to, likewise the soldiers asked him, saying, What shall we do? So he said to them, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely, and be content with your wages. Now that's a pretty bold statement that John's telling the soldiers to be content with their wages. You know, he didn't ask for a pay stub. He didn't ask them for their W-2 form. And when he saw the number, he said, oh, well, yeah, you ought to be content with that. That's good. Be content with that. No, he just said, be content with your wages. There's no contingency there. John's told the soldiers, be content. We need to do that as well. And Paul's a perfect example of that in Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians chapter 4, what Joseph just read for us, but notice this. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul said he was content. Now, Paul, is everything in your life exactly the way you'd have it to be? No. We know it wasn't exactly the way that he would, he would have had it to be. Paul, is there anything that you would change in your life? Yes, there were things that Paul would change in his life. But he was content in the situation that he found himself in. And so it is with us. Our contentment is necessary regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. We must be content. In order to do that, though, I want to tell you, contentment is going to require the correct priorities and the correct perspective on things. If we don't have the correct priorities, if we don't have the correct perspective, contentment becomes very, very difficult. For example, if we think that this life is all there is, then we're going to want to grab as much of it as we can. There's not going to be any tolerance for anything in our life that's not perfect if I think this is all that there is. If what's in front of me is all there is, then I want all of it, and it all has to be perfect. Because this is as good as it's going to get. If I don't have it now, it's not going to, then it's not going to ever get any better than this. When it's right in front of our face and we're focusing on the here and now, it's going to take our priorities off of what they should be. And it's going to breed discontent. In Matthew chapter 6, in Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 19 beginning. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where, th where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Are we looking for that heavenly country? Or have we allowed our focus to be on the here and now? If we're focusing on this life, I want to tell you, brethren, it's never going to be perfect. If we're laying up treasure in heaven, though, it would help us be content with what we have here on earth. Well, I know that. I know that this is not at all there is. But, you know, I want what's best in this life. I want to be the best. I want to be the smartest. I want to be the guy who's always got it figured out. 
I want others to look up to me and follow me. I want to have what's best in this life. I tell you, contentment means that we don't have to be the best. We don't have to be number one. Paul learned that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Again, we looked at this earlier. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at beginning of verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I most, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Paul learned to be content when things weren't exactly the way that he, they, he would have had them. And he realized that this lack of things being exactly the way that he would have had them helped him to be humble. We must have humility as well if we're going to be content. I'll tell you, contentment is also going to require us to be following a different standard. The world is going to tell us that our life is to be gauged by how much stuff we have about how, by how successful we are, that our happiness is going to be dictated by our circumstances, that if you are successful, if things are going well in your life, you can be happy and you can be content, but if they're not, then you need to be discontented and unhappy. That's what our world says. But God gives us a different standard. He says our, our happiness and our contentment is independent of our conditions. In Proverbs 15, verse 16, Proverbs 15, verse 16, we read, But is a little better with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. You see, God says that our circumstances should not have an impact on our contentment, on our happiness, or on our joy. That it's better to have a little with God. In 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, we read something similar. Verse 6. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. The standard of the world is how many nice cars do you have? How full is your closet? How big is the number on your bank account? How healthy are you and your family? God's standard is being godly and followers of Him. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Job had this perspective. In Job 1, verse 21, Job said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, Job is everything like you'd have it in your life. Job, is everything going good in your life? Well, absolutely not. I've just lost all my possessions. I've just lost all my possessions. My family has been destroyed. My health is in shambles. Job, that's a recipe for discontent. But Job was content. He didn't allow this to cause him to turn his back on God. We must have this perspective as well. I want to tell you, the perspective that causes us to be content is going to be the perspective that says 
We're different than the world because the world is looking for the next thing that's going to bring us happiness, the next thing that's going to bring us contentment. I'm not happy with things are now. This little part of my life needs to change. I need to get this. This needs to change. I need that in order to get happiness. If I could just get this, then I will be content. And yet God says that's not the case. Many are on a quest to get the right thing or the right circumstances, hoping that this will make them happy. But God said in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10, He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This is also vanity. Contentment is not going to come with the next toy. Contentment is not going to come if you can just get this thing figured out, if you can change this aspect of your life. Contentment will not come if I could just lose 10 pounds. Contentment will not come if I could just get my knee to stop hurting. Contentment won't come if I could just get rid of some of this gray hair or if I could just get some hair. It's not going to come with that. Contentment doesn't come by changing our circumstances. It comes by us having the right attitude. We need to understand that our relationship with God is the key to contentment. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be content with what you have because you have a relationship with God. And why would we allow any physical thing to get in the way of that? To steal our joy that we should be enjoying in our relationship with God because of some little trinket that we don't have or some little part of our life that we don't think is exactly the way we want it to be. We're allowing that to steal our joy. I can't control a lot of what happens in my physical life, but I can control my relationship with God. I need to make sure that I don't let my physical life and my physical condition get in the way of the most important thing, my relationship with God. I've got to have the right priorities and the right perspective. I'll tell you also that contentment means that we're going to have to be thankful for what we have. You know, we're tempted to always look at what we don't have and focus on that. Sure, you have a comfortable house with lots of amenities. But wouldn't it be a nice if you had a bigger house with a nicer kitchen? I mean, come on. You've seen those kitchens. I'm talking about those kitchens that are, those things are deluxe. Wouldn't it be nice if you had one of those? But in reality, your house is big enough, isn't it? And your kitchen is more than adequate. And if we focus on the kitchen we'd like to have, we fail to be thankful for the kitchen that we do have. Wouldn't it be nice if you had more friends? Wouldn't it be nice if you didn't have to sit home on as many Friday nights as you do? Wouldn't it be nice if somebody would call you up and say, hey, why don't we go do something on Friday night? How about going out to dinner with us Friday night? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to have more friends? Stop and think about How it would be nice to have more friends and you fail to be thankful for the good friends that you have. If we're going to be content, we're going to be thankful for what we have. Wouldn't it be nice if the church here had a few more members? Wouldn't it be nice if the church here was bigger? Wouldn't it be nice if the church here had a few more people my age? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be nice if the church here didn't have people that 
rubbed me the wrong way with my personality. They weren't so hard to get along with in my personality. You know, I'm just sort of hard to deal with. There's another person here that's hard to deal with. Wouldn't it be nice if it was different? We stop to be thankful for what we have here. All of the good things that we have here going on here. You, we could go on and on, but you get the idea. When we focus on how we'd like things to be, we stop to be thankful for all the good things that we have now. And that breeds discontentment. If we're going to be content, we've got to be thankful for what we have. You ever had your kids do this? You ever have your kids, take, you take them out maybe to get some ice cream? Maybe take them out to the playground to play and they're having a good time and they say, Mom, Dad, what are we going to do after this? Wait a minute. We're doing something fun now. Enjoy this. Don't be asking what we're going to do after this. But we don't grow up, do we? We're like that a lot of times. God, what are we going to get next? It's to be thankful for what we have. God wants us to be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The fact of the matter is that we have a lot, even if it doesn't seem like we do. We have a relationship with God that exceeds anything that the unrighteous experience. Do you understand that? The relationship that we have with God and the relationship we have with our brethren exceeds anything that the world experiences. Psalm 37, verse 16, says, A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. We don't stop and think about it that way, do we? We focus on what we got to get changed in our lives. We focus on the rough parts of our lives, the parts of our lives that are uncomfortable. We focus on that and we stop to realize that the blessings that we enjoy are better than the riches of not just one man, many wicked people. We've got to be thankful, brethren. Could you have more in this life? Absolutely. Could things be different? Certainly. We need to be thankful for what God has given us. So Proverbs 17, verse 1 says, Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. We need to be thankful for the things that God has given us. If we're going to be content, we've got to be thankful for what we have. I'll tell you something else about contentment, and that is that contentment is learned. Contentment isn't easy. As is anything that is difficult, it has to be learned. Proverbs, or Philippians chapter 4 again, verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul had learned it. That means that Paul wasn't always content, was it? Was he? Paul wasn't born content. There was a time in Paul's life where he wasn't content but he learned how to be content. We may not be content as we should be. We need to learn how to be content. We have to get after that. We have to work on it. Well, my personality is just such that I have to have things exactly perfect in my life. You know, I'm a perfectionist. That's just me. If things aren't right, I can't deal with it. It's just got to be right for me. I've got to, everything's got to be perfect or I can't be happy. 
No. You can be content. You got to learn it like Paul did. Let's say we were going to school. We're going to learn something. What's the first thing the teacher would want to know? He'd want to know where you are right now when you're learning. And then he'd put together a plan to help you get from point A to point B. And so it is with contentment. We need to do some self-evaluation. We need to understand where we are. How are we doing in the area of contentment? What aspects of our lives are we not content with? What parts of our lives need improvement? And then we need to focus on being content. It isn't going to happen by itself. It's going to require effort. We're going to have to learn it. But contentment can be learned. We need to learn contentment. Finally, this morning, I want to tell you that contentment brings great gain. We've seen it in the lives of others, haven't we? Someone who's never happy with what they've got, with their lot in life. They're never happy. They're never satisfied. They're never content. That person's life is miserable, isn't it? They forgo the enjoyment of of enjoying what they have in pursuit of what they don't have. They focus on what they don't have and they don't realize what they have. And they're miserable and they're sad and their existence is awful. We need to understand that if we're like that, our existence will be miserable as well. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, beginning, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Contentment brings us great gain. It's closely connected to our godliness. We need to make sure that we have contentment. Contentment is required and necessary regardless of our circumstances. We've got to have the right perspective and the right priorities in order to be content. We've got to be thankful for what we have. We need to be evaluating our lives and measuring our contentment and learning contentment. Be working on it. It's not going to come naturally. It's not going to be an automatic thing. I'm going to have to work at this and focus on being content. And if I can be content, and I can be, It will bring great gain to my life. We need to focus on being content. Contentment isn't easy, but God wants us to be content. We simply can't afford to be discontented. The price we pay for being discontent is more than we want to pay in both this life and in eternity. Let's focus on being content. What about you this morning? tell you, godliness with contentment brings great gain. You can't just be content without God. You've got to make sure that you've got the relationship with God that will allow you to have the right perspective on this life. Are you walking with God? Are you living like you should? If you're not, there's no better time than right now to make that right. And if we can help, will you let us know while we stand and sing?